When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Welcome to Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics. Here's your host, Todd McKim. Welcome to another edition of Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics. A lot to talk about after the bye week last week for the football team. A little bit later on, we will uh, preview the Colorado Buffaloes next up uh, this week as uh, we would be uh, an early start from Boulder. We'll be on the air with the Bud Light Tailgate Show beginning at 10 a.m., a little after 11 o'clock kickoff Pacific time, the Bears against the Buffaloes. And J.B. Long, who will do the play-by-play for the Pac-12 Network, will join us a little bit later on, along with Jamison Sheehan, who is the number one punter in the Pac-12 Conference this week uh, by about a yard and a half over everybody else. So we'll get to Jamison's thoughts about the year to date and uh, punting, or maybe hopefully not punting at all, against Colorado this week in that altitude in Boulder. So we'll we'll, uh, be interested to get his thoughts on the game as well. Coach, uh, you had the bye week last week. Uh, That doesn't mean that you don't do anything. There's a number of things. Obviously, you got practices. The coaches were out on the weekend recruiting as well. How did the week go? Uh, It was productive. I mean, we practiced four days and then had a fifth day for a workout. The coaches went out, as you mentioned, late Thursday and Friday for recruiting. But I mean, we worked. Anybody who was available was practicing. It wasn't like, uh, you know, we we kicked our feet up and took the week off by any means. So 
we need uh, we need to get better. Uh, the players understand that. Coaches understand that. So we uh, spent last week trying to get better individually and uh, offense, defense, special teams as units. Uh, bye weeks can be different for different people in some regards in that uh, oftentimes you may get a look at younger players that, you know, maybe have been on the scout team and haven't been able to run your system. Uh, other times you're just trying to get, you know, the entire team better, which I'm sure you were trying to do. How do you try to balance that? Maybe get a little more look with the young guys. Uh, just adding reps. So, you know, whatever we felt was necessary and needed for the the guys that are playing a lot, we got that. And then we added uh, a number of periods or reps to make sure that the guys who are not getting the reps in games and practice, you know, and that maybe the guys that are uh, on the redshirt path or some under some, some guys who are in backup roles had opportunities to improve as well. So really uh, pretty easy in that regard, just to add a few extra periods and extra reps in practice. With redshirt guys, the, the rule is they can play in four games and still have that redshirt year available. Is this the time of the year where you're taking a little closer look at that with those players? We are. Uh, we always track it, you know, week to week. We talk about the guys that are coming up on game three, game four, maybe if they haven't played at all, and just to make sure we're tracking it accordingly. And some, as we know, they're, they're playing regardless. They're already past that and they're rolling. So uh, uh, we do talk about that each and every week. As uh, you look back uh, real quickly at the Washington State game, what well, one of the things that I mentioned during the broadcast was field position. It's always important. You always talk about it, the hidden yards, this, that, and the other. Your best starting field position in that game was your own 38. I mean, that that's very unusual to start every possession in your own territory, which means normally, I mean, you'd like to have explosion plays, but normally that means you're going to have more plays to get into the other team's red zone, to get into the scoring the zone to get it into the end zone as well. Did you feel that played a, a major factor in this game? Uh, yeah, that was noticeable. Um, whether we didn't maximize opportunities on defense to keep, keep them backed up and have to punt from the shadow of their own end zone. I mean, the first drive is a great example. We get them in third third down uh, early in the – I think it's – they earned a first down on the first play, and then I think they had a third down on that second rack, and we had a – uh, unabated rusher to the quarterback we could have sacked him and had him backed up and you know made a punt from deep and we missed it and the guy scrambled out of it uh they end up moving the ball a little more and even though we stopped them they punted it down you know inside the 10 or 15 yard line so we're we're starting back up so you know it matters from a defensive perspective the field position you got to help the field position you got to help it on the return units our punt team has to help it and you know on the flip side, we punted one. They got a return to the 35-yard line, and then with a penalty, they started on the plus 20. I mean, then it's really hard to stop them. So you're exactly right. The field position was not good, and everybody contributed to that, offense, defense, and special teams. Yeah, that penalty was uh, one that we seldom see called in that your guys are trying to get downfield and and, uh, and tackle the returner, and you had a player uh, – <laughs> lose his helmet somehow right i'm sure it just flipped off okay but that player then is basically he's got to stop playing is that correct because that was what the penalty call was yeah you got it once the helmet comes off you have to really remove yourself from the play and that's a hard one because i mean i love the fact that mojo he just kept playing he didn't flinch one bit you know that's his nature is to keep playing and keep competing he has to stop playing at that point and as you mentioned, usually helmets don't just fall off. There's a reason they come off. And uh, unfortunately, 
they didn't quite see that part, uh, but they did see the helmet off and flagged him for that. And that added 15 yards to that return, which put it on the 20 yard line. So, so is that player literally supposed to stop in his tracks or is he supposed to run to the sideline or what's he supposed to do? Yeah. Get out of the way. Yeah. Get out of the way. Yeah. Basically just don't engage yourself in the play. Okay. Well, that's pretty hard to do on a punt return because you never know where the guy's going to go. Yeah, it is. It's a, I, I, mean, I get it. It's a safety is, issue. It's I, a safety I get thing. that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, we don't, I don't think it's a bad rule. It's difficult because I mean, football guys by nature competitive and uh, you know, so it's, it's just a hard one to coach, you know um, what you'd like to have happen is the helmet not to come off and, or if the helmet does come off, you know, there's a, a flag for why it came off. So, yeah, exactly. I've never quite, I never quite understood some of that, but um, that's unfortunate. All right. Let's talk about Colorado Uh, fired Carl Durrell after their loss to Arizona game in which I thought offensively, they did some pretty good things. I mean, they ran for 154 yards. That was a season high and the quarterback looked pretty good. They played three quarterbacks already this year. Um, You're well aware of the the new head coach, the interim coach, Mike Sanford. He was a Boise state quarterback before you got to Boise state. Couple of years I was actually ago. a GA there when he was there, so I've known Mike. Oh, you were the time. GA there. That's yeah. right. Your first uh, gig was the GA. Yeah. So you know Mike. What uh, What do you expect out of him? Is he going to – I mean, you can't change to the wishbone offense in, in a week and a half, I wouldn't think. But but that Boise offense has always been so versatile, no matter who's been the coach over there. Yeah, and I would say uh, a lot of that. Shift in motion, uh, uh, dead formations, cover up the tight end, fly sweep stuff, play action pass, inside zone, counter. I mean, they got all of it. Um, he does a good job. Mike's a good coach. And, um, you know, they have good players. It's, you know, their season hasn't gone, I'm sure, like they wanted it to. But it's those guys are on scholarship and they have good players. They're really big up front on defense. They got skill on offense. They got a young quarterback who can make things happen. Um, so they have our uh, full attention. Uh, they played, as mentioned, three quarterbacks. Obviously, they're all a little bit different, but this one's a left-hander. Mm-hmm. Does that does that change things at all for you defensively? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, and just in terms of we do make hash mark calls from time to time on uh, are you going to rush in his face or are you going to rush from his blind side and kind of where the, the line games or the, or the pressures come from? Absolutely, that can impact it. You've also got a relatively early start. You've been fortunate to play a lot of – you know, day games this year. This one starts at noon uh, mountain time, 11 o'clock Pacific time. Uh, I know a couple of years ago they were talking about starting games at nine in the morning. You were all on board. You said, we'll, we'll play whenever you tell us we're going to play. But you, you do have a little bit earlier wake up call for these guys this week. We do. And uh, we'll get out there with time to spare on Friday. Um, so it shouldn't, it won't be an issue. You know, we've, uh, our guys are up in the morning. They have workouts in the morning sometimes. So, um, don't foresee that being an issue at all. Altitude. A lot, a lot has been made about this every time a team goes to play in Boulder. I remember Mike Montgomery, the former Cal basketball coach, Hall of Famer, said hey, he just told the guys, you know what? After a couple of trips up on the court, you're going to be a little bit out of breath, but you're going to be fine. You just have to convince yourself you're going to be fine. Is that the mindset you have as well? Yeah, absolutely. You're just anticipate having uh, cotton mouth and chap lips and you will you do notice it. But there is no amount of time unless you go up there for over two weeks. You know, there's no amount of time to uh, truly acclimate so you feel like it's normal. So, it's, yeah, you're going to have a little uh, chap lips and cotton mouth and 
at the end of the day, you're going to be fine. I mean, if it wasn't safe, they wouldn't let us play. Yeah. Uh, Altidore also has an effect on the the ball and how far it can go. How does it change? I mean, do they, as you as you watch their games, are there many non-touchbacks on kickoffs? And do the punts go an extra four, five, eight yards longer? How does that work? Uh, just kind of what you'd think. There's a lot of touchbacks up there on both sides. Um, I believe, you know, every kick. Now he's a pretty, he's a good kicker too, but because they played away as well. But uh, I think everyone but one was a touchback for him, and so the ball does travel a little bit further. And you know, we, you know, some of the things that we'll work on during the week um, are with that in mind. You know, when it comes to special teams play. Yeah, punting. I mean, we're going to have Jamison on a little bit later. We'll ask him about punting in altitude. Um, do you have to be cognizant of, of not over-kicking, over-punting, out-kicking your coverage, I guess is the term that people talk about? Yeah, and there's uh, different w- things we can do to to kind of help that. And Jamison's got a big leg, um, but he, he kicks the ball different ways. You know, traditional directional punt, he can rugby, uh, he can kick it low, he can kick it high, he can put spin on it. So he's got a kind of a unique uh, skill set for a punter and we'll use the, you know, the the proper punts this game to give us the best chance. The one thing I don't think I've ever seen in a game is a player wear sunglasses. And, and, in, and in Boulder, you can get what is known as the high sky. And I think they're going to have a pretty nice day over there. Um, and their stadium, if I remember correctly, kind of goes south to north, north to south. So if you're fielding a punt with that sun, um, you know, at, at Cal, maybe in the late afternoon, you can get that low sun in, in the northwest corner. But, I mean, uh, the, punt, the punt returns are going to have to be a little careful, I guess, on how they, they feel these things. Well, that's what the pregame's for. You know, okay. we get, get out there and get used to it. Um, and, again, it's uh, every six or seven times a year people go up there and play. And uh, it's our turn this year. And uh, people play there. They play in uh, – uh, Fort Collins, they play in uh, Mile High Stadium there in, in Denver. So we're not the only ones. A lot of folks go up there and play, and we'll need to go out there and play with great technique and execute, and there's no excuse. Well, uh, it's a big game for both of the teams, obviously, and we look forward to calling the broadcast starting Saturday morning with the Bud Light Tailgate Show. We appreciate your time today, and we'll talk to you just before the contest on Saturday. All right. Thanks, Todd. Go Bears. Joining me now is the punter for the California Golden Bears, having a terrific season so far, is uh, leading the Pac-12 Conference in gross punting, is fourth in the country, actually, in the FBS in punting, Jamison Sheehan from Australia. Thanks for being with me today. Thanks, Todd. It's great to be here, and it's uh, great to be back on the podcast. Uh, it's been a little while in between, in between uh, you know, jumping on, but it's, been, it's great to be back, and thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Always good to have you on. You're uh, one of our one of our favorites in that regard. You're a two time letter winner of the Cal Podcast, so that doesn't happen to everybody. So congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that absolutely. Let's talk about your year to date. To give us your evaluation of how things have gone for you. Yeah, it's been a really um, good start to the year, to be honest, Todd. Like uh, in my third season now, so you would hope to see progression. Um, and I feel like that's happened. I feel like this has been my best season so far. Um, obviously, a lot of work to go, but the early stages have been really promising. Um, feeling really comfortable at the level now, um, being in my third season of playing American football. Um, it takes some time to adapt, and I feel really comfortable out there. And 
um, really enjoying my time um, with this punt scheme. And um, yeah, our punt team is doing a fantastic job protecting and our gunners are doing a great job of downing the ball. And um, yeah, it's been going really well. It's coming off the foot really well, which is always nice as a punter and um, just trying to flip the field to give the defense, you know, advantageous position. And, um, you know, if our, if we can pin them inside the 20, I, I feel pretty confident that our defense can, you know, stop them from scoring. So just trying to do my bit for the team, but it's been a really great year so far. And um, yeah, just it's coming off the foot well. So that's all you can ask for. Well, you're averaging 46 and a half yards a punt, 46.5, because the decimal point actually is really important when you keep track of these statistical numbers. Uh, Brian Anger, who's uh, you know an all pro for the Dallas Cowboys, a phenomenal punter in his time at California, has Cal's single season record at 45.6. So you're 0.9, just slightly less than a yard higher than his season record at Cal. Uh, is that something before today's podcast, and I mentioned it, that you were cognizant of? <laughs> uh, I can be honest and say I had no idea of that, Todd, but uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate you bringing it up. It's funny because punting is, you know, about a, it's a numbers game. It's all about numbers. It's about uh, yardage off the foot, and then it's about net yardage, you know, after the returns and after touchbacks or anything like that. So, um, you know, what I look at is the net yardage, and I'm trying to have my net yardage as high as possible. So, um, granted, that does rely on the gunners and does rely on other aspects of the game, right? So, the average is what comes off my foot, and the net is what we do as a punt unit. So, um, I still feel like there's a lot of improvement to go. I don't feel like I'm at the top of my game right now. I'm kicking the ball really well, but um, it feels really good to know that, you know, the the numbers are high and I feel like I've got a lot more in me. So um, I've been really working this year at just being process driven and really not focusing on the results. And that is different from previous years for me. Mm. Um, and so I'm really just focusing on going out there every time. And I'm not worried about how far the ball goes or what my net is going to be at the end of the game. Um, or my average is going to be off the foot, I'm worried about if I do the same process every single time, snap, catch, kick, then the numbers will take care of themselves. And so far this year, they've been doing that. So um, going to keep focusing on the process and hopefully the numbers, you know, stay up there. And obviously just touching on Brian Anger, he's, he's a phenomenal punter and watching some of his film and um, from his days at the Bears and and now at Dallas, you know, he's an incredible pro punter and, um you know, he, he perfected the art of the spiral and I'm always working on that, um, which is a bit of a different kick to what we've got in the punt scheme at the moment. So, um, but yeah, he, he's a phenomenal punter and it's awesome that um, to be even mentioned in the same conversation as him. Well, your net is good too. It's 43.2. And, you know, even the net, quite frankly, tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, that can get skewed too, because you may have to punt from, say, the other team's 45. Okay. And your job is to try to pin them as deep as possible. And that that may require you to punt it with 35 net, you know, to the 10 yard line or something like that. So it's more than the numbers in that regard, because you're, you're trying to, you know, when, when you're back at your own 20, you want to kick it far, but you want to kick it high or directionally. I mean, that's the mm -hmm. thing that people don't really understand is it's more than just punting it as far as you can or as high. Sometimes the directional punt when you're trying to, to pin somebody deep is really important too, right? Absolutely. And I think what you said, right, it depends on where we are in the field. I'll take a 35-yard punt if that lands them at the 10 and they've got to go 90 yards against our defense, right? And so it's less about the numbers in that aspect again. It's like process. 
do I kick a good hang time ball, 35 yards, and pinning them inside the tent? And then the other thing that you bring up, which is you know critically important for punting, is the direction of the punt. You've got to be really good with locating the football because the whole gunner play where they run to the ball is predicated on you putting it where, the, where we're supposed to put it. Yeah. And if you put it over the other side of the field, the gunners are going to have an awful tough time to get across the other side and cover it. So, um, And that's where I feel personally that I can improve. My location this year has probably not been where I would expect it to be. Mm. Kicking the ball far, kicking the ball you know, high and long, but I feel like if I dial in the location, um, that's the improvement that can be had. So, um, yeah, it, it's critically important. The location might be more important than the hang and – and the actual distance. So you get a game this week at Colorado. So we got altitude yep. and everybody knows that the ball is going to travel farther in the air in altitude. How do you try to manage that? I mean, how important is like the pregame warmup to you um, every week, but maybe even is more so important this week because of the altitude situation? Yeah, the warmup's always really critical. I Again, back to the process. Todd, like I do the same thing every single time I step on any field in any conditions. So um, I go through my same process and I'll do the exact same thing up in uh, up in Boulder. And uh, the altitude, I've never played up at altitude, so I have no expectations and um, it probably won't affect any of my mindset going in. Obviously, I'll get out there early before the game, as I always do, one of the first out on the field for warm-ups. And I'll, you know, take a few deep breaths. But to be honest, I'm not running a marathon. I'm going out there to kick a ball and not too worried about how my lungs are going to hold up out there. But, you know, I have heard that the ball flies further. So um, I'm just going to kick it and continue to do my process. And hopefully, you know, if if the altitude gives me a couple extra yards, I will certainly won't say no to that. The Australian kickers, you guys that come from Australia, and we'll talk about that momentarily as to the why that has become such a popular thing to do. But you all seem to have this uncanny ability to, to roll out and kick the ball before the rush team gets to you. And sometimes it seems like there's no way it's, it's going to get off. But, and, and you're thinking, well, the other team knows he's rolling to his right most of the time. How do you, uh, how do you time that thing up? Well, I think it comes back to our, how we grew up and what sport we played growing up, Todd. I mean, I grew up playing Australian football. And as we've spoken about previously on the podcast, AFL or Australian football is a 360-degree game. So you can get tackled, hit from any direction. You don't know whether that's coming from behind you, in front of you, or the side. So we grew up really getting good at the peripheral vision, right? Because you need to be really good at knowing your, um, like where you are on the field, who's around you. Um, and so I think that's really translated over to this game, right? Like we're rolling out. We know that they're only coming from in front of us. Like there's no one going to pop up from behind of me. That would be awfully weird. And if it did happen, um, you know, it probably wouldn't be my fault. So <laughs> I'm just going to, you know, the guys are going to be coming at me. And so it's, it's honestly natural. Like we're rolling out. The eyes are up looking at what the rush is giving us, whether it's hold up, whether it's pressure. And that'll determine how quickly I go with the ball, right? So um, any time that you can roll out of the pocket, and this is no secret to anyone, it gives the gunners more time to get down there, right? If I catch the ball and kick it immediately out of the pocket, the gunners obviously don't have that much of a head start. If I can move to the side, whether that be left or right, mm -hmm. which is just a little, if anyone's listening, left or right, 
<laughs> that ball can be held and the gunners get out and get, get a chance to get downfield. So um, it's natural. Um, and the, uh, maybe the boys that are bigger running at me this time as compared to the Australian football. I think, you know, I don't, I've never had too many 250, 300 pound guys running at me, but um, yeah, the peripheral vision is something that we grow up with and learning to kick in traffic is is something that we, you know, prioritize. So um, feels, feels natural. Why do you think we don't see it so much in the national football league? It's pretty traditional there. It's, you know, I don't know if it's 15 yards back or 12 when you actually make contact, whatever, but they don't Mm. seem to use the same, concepts with the rollout as much sometimes you see it but not very often you would you might have to correct me here todd but i don't know if there is a rule or a law in place in the nfl which prohibits from rolling out of the pocket i don't know if that's a thing um but i i know that it's not commonly done and a lot of the protections are different in Mm. the pro um they have a pro style protection which doesn't allow you to roll out because it's kind of in that um sort of a v type shape yeah. And so the punter has to stay in the pocket. A uh, little different out, um, you know, in college football where you've got the shields. Yep. And normally there's not really a shield out out in um, the pros. So I don't know whether that is um, something. It's definitely something to look at. And I can look it up as well. I don't yeah. know if you're allowed to roll out um, or how that looks. But, uh, yeah, that's why a lot of the pro style guys do the spiral. They stay in the pocket. Um, but the Australian guys, we've got five. Australian pro kick guys in the league right now and those guys have started to do some Aussie style kicks out of the pocket and now that doesn't mean that they're rolling out to the side they're staying in the pocket still but they're hitting that end over end type ball as opposed to the spiral so that's becoming more and more popular in the NFL as well yeah we have seen more of that even in the college game Mm -hmm. where you used to kick a punt with the spiral and you saw a lot more directional punting then try to get it to the sidelines, which also probably increases, you know, the misses. I mean, you, you miss one trying mm-hmm. to go to the right sideline and you might end up with a 15 yard punt. Whereas now the punters are trying to do that end over end and use the flip of the ball um, to pin a team D. So maybe it hits at the five yard line. And it's almost like a, a wedge shot in golf where it kind of just spins back a little bit. By that time, you guys are down to, to down it. So that seems to be the trend in the last five, six, eight years. Definitely. And I'm an avid golfer myself. <laughs> and so I'd like to feel like when I'm doing those going, going in kicks, I'm kind of hitting my 56 wedge. Yep. I'm just trying to get it nice and flighted and then hit the ground and then drop back a couple of yards. But you don't want it to reverse and sort of lose 10 yards on the spin yep. either. So there's a very fine balance between hitting a beautifully sort of a touch kick it's very much sort of a touch. It's not about, you know, trying to kick the ball as hard as you can in that instance. Yeah. It's guiding it to the right area. And so, you know, we grew up kicking the backwards end over end, the Aussie style is what some people call it, um, or the pooch punt. Mm-hmm. And that for us is much more, you can control that much more than a spiral punt. Now, the spiral punt might travel further, which is a little bit risky if you're kicking a going in punt because you might get a touchback if you yeah. hit the ball too well. Whereas with the um, Australian drop punt, you can kind of guide it in there. And then if you're lucky or if you're good, it'll bounce and spin back as well. So just a little bit more accuracy control. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts. What you do? would you do during the, uh, the weekend, uh, this past weekend, where you didn't have to play a game? Do anything special or just relax? Well, speaking of golf, I got out on the links and oh, nice. got a uh, – I went up to Tilden Park Golf Course and uh, played with a, with a few of the guys on the team and 
Um, it had been a while in between rounds and it certainly showed on the scorecard. Um, but it's, it's just a, it's a fantastic, um, you know, break to get up at the golf course and it's very relaxing and, um, yeah, it's, it's really a nice, you know, change of pace from, you know, studies and from football. And so the weekend played some golf, um, hung out, uh, at home and, uh, where my girlfriend and I are moving into a new house. So there was a lot of moving happening oh, okay. over the weekend, a bit of golf and obviously a bit of football on Sunday is always nice. So it was just nice to, uh, you know, not be traveling and, um, refresh the batteries a little bit mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting up to Boulder this weekend. Now that Chase Garbers is gone, because I think mm-hmm. he was at least the self-proclaimed best golfer on the team last year, and he was really good. We were trying to get him paired up with like Aaron Rodgers and get like a made-for-TV deal, and maybe that'll happen now that he's with the Raiders. But who on the team this year is the best on the links? Well, I think we're going to have to stick in the quarterback room and okay. give it to Zach Johnson, oh. who is a phenomenal golfer. His dad is a tour pro. Um, and you can tell because Zach plays like he's on the tour. He is pretty awesome to play with. Played a few rounds with him now, and um, I think he's a scratch golfer. So he is definitely the best golfer on the team, and uh, I could see him having a career post-football in golf, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, and the specialists, to be honest, a lot of the specialists get out there. And um, So, you know, Slater Zellers and Dario Longhetto and Michael Lockhurst, the four of us, um, we spend a lot of time on the golf course in the off season when we can get a break. And um, there's a lot of good golf happening on the team. Jackson Sermon is another really good golfer. Really? So, um, oh. yeah, there's some, you know, I would put our team up against most college football teams in the country in terms of golf. So maybe that's something we can look at postseason. Yeah, we'll get like a like a Ryder Cup of Pac-12 football. That'd be kind of interesting. I, I think the Pac-12 network would love to televise something like that. I mean, seems to me that'd be pretty good. I think it'd be fantastic. And I don't know what the other Pac-12 schools are offering up, but they will have a hard time beating the Bears, Todd, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) All right. We'll throw that out on a gauntlet and see if anybody picks it up and we'll go from there. That'd be kind of cool to have in the springtime, that's for sure. Hey, uh, we appreciate your time as always. A great conversation with you. Look forward to the trip to Boulder. Um, We hope you don't have to punt very often, but we know when you do – that the Bears will uh, be in good hands with you back there, and it'll be a good punt and a good result as well. So we appreciate it. Thank you, Jemison. I appreciate it, Todd. I'm Like I, I normally say, I'm more than happy to have the best seat in the house and watch the boys go to work, and hopefully I don't have to punt, but uh, I'll be ready uh, if needed to be called upon and looking forward to getting up to Boulder and, and you know bring home a W. So appreciate you having me on, Todd. Have a good day. You betcha. We'll talk to you in Boulder. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. Joining me now is one of the uh, young rising stars in uh, the broadcasting profession, a good friend for a long time, J.B. Long. He's got the play-by-play this week for the Bears against the Buffaloes in Colorado, along with a former USC quarterback, Max Brown. So um, I guess my first question, J.B., is how, how do you get some kind of camaraderie with a Notre Dame grad and a USC guy in the booth <laughs> at the same time? 
Uh, well, Todd, first, let me correct you. Uh, young, no longer true. Uh, oh, rising, <laughs> also false. And star, never was, never will be. But uh, I really do enjoy working with Max. In fact, uh, part of the joy of this season uh, on Pac-12 Network is I think by the time my schedule is said and done, I will have worked with six different analysts, including Max, and four different production crews, uh, which you know another broadcaster might say is disruptive or challenging. But I really enjoy the diversity and, and the challenge of preparing for a new person in addition to new teams each week. Thankfully, I've seen both Colorado and Cal, and I've worked with Max, so this will feel more familiar than different. Uh, but I like to say that he transferred and finished as a pit grad. So even though there's still some uh, some rivalry paths crossed there, uh, I've I've mostly traded in my, uh, my blue and gold for uh, Pac-12 tinted colors uh so we're aligned in that regard you know i think one of the signs of a, a truly good broadcaster is someone that can can mesh with other people okay because sometimes you get partners and they stay together for a long time and it's just a seamless broadcast other times you can get this mix and match and i've gone through this myself over the years where maybe your analyst uh, doesn't appear to be on the same wavelength as the play-by-play -play. and it, and it can be noticeable and awkward and they step over each other. So when I watch you broadcast games and you do it with multitude of people, whether it's, you know, on radio with the Rams or TV on the PAC 12 network, football, basketball, you know, baseball, et cetera. That's, that's one of the things I've admired about you, Roxy guys like that, that you can mesh with a partner because it's not always the easiest thing to do. Well, that's nice of you to say. Thankfully, on Rams radio, I never let Maurice Jones-Drew talk anyway. <laughs> radio is all about me as a play-by-play, -play, so I'm just catching some oxygen while he says whatever it is he's going to say. Uh, but yeah, that's... I think that's the beauty of uh, a television is it's all about the analyst. And I think of my role as more of an MC and just uh, someone who can be a liaison between the truck, the producer, our audience and the analyst and making sure that I'm just hopefully narrating and punctuating plays as accurately and concisely as possible so that all that other real estate uh, belongs to them. And uh, I, I continually remind myself too, Todd, that uh, most people are watching our television broadcasts uh, with the sound muted while they uh, talk to their friend at a sports bar. So don't take it too seriously. Well, you do take it seriously and you're good at it too. Let's talk about the game between the Buffaloes and the Bears. Both teams coming off buys. Mm -hmm. Colorado 0-5 for the first time since 2006. The Bears coming off a tough loss at Washington State. As you mentioned, you saw the Bears against Arizona, clearly their best game of the year. Jay Nott had a terrific game. Let's first of all talk about you know, what's your evaluation as you look at the Bears on tape throughout the course of the season. What do you see? So first of all, I know this is uh, not news to your audience, but I think it was a creative solution and a timely one up front. I think that's borne some fruit. Now I understand you didn't crack double digits against a very good Washington State defense in Pullman. But as I watched that game live and then again on film yesterday, I was struck by uh, just how I thought well coached and sound the schematic was for Cal. They know what they're doing at the top level. And I think they teach it really well to their players. Now, are, do they have the top roster in the league? No. Uh, are they young at some very key uh, areas of their two deep? Absolutely. Uh, 
Um, but that was a one possession game in the fourth quarter. Like as Jeremiah Hunter has back to back bombs from Plummer, like I'm thinking this might really happen for them against what I think is one of the best defenses in the league uh, for Washington State. And Cam Ward on the other side was just dealing from all different platforms and arm angles. Uh, I'm sure you really enjoyed seeing him in person. That was uh, a lot like watching Kyler Murray uh, on a good Sunday in the National Football League. But uh, I think Cal is competent, is capable, is well-coached, and that gives them a chance on every Saturday, especially when Plummer is kept upright. Um, they're emerging at some key spots on defense. Uh, hopefully they got healthier through the bye, and that'll give them a chance to maybe get to six wins. But as you know, Todd, this feels like one they have to bank if that is their ambition. Yeah, I totally agree with you. When you look at the gauntlet heading down the home stretch, the final half of the season with Washington, Oregon, USC in a row, Oregon State and Corvallis, the big game, and then UCLA, which is playing as well, if not better than anybody in our conference right now. It's a tough road to host. So I agree with you. This is kind of a must win for the Bears, no question. Meanwhile, Colorado, I mean, they're struggling. They made the coaching change. Mike Sanford is now the head coach, interim head coach. Uh, he was a graduate assistant at Boise State when uh, Justin Wilcox got his start at Boise State. So there's some familiarity there. But they're a team that, again, doesn't have the top roster in the league. I think that's pretty evident. They've played three different quarterbacks, which is never a good sign for a team. But coming off a bye with a new interim coach, it's like the first game of the season. You really don't know what to expect. I think there's a lot of that. And I think you'll like their new quarterback, too, Owen McCown, who's yeah. two starts into his Colorado career. And I think his partnership with Mike Stanford made that um, a very sensible choice for the interim. See what they can do together in the back half of this schedule. Uh, we know they're going to make some adjustments. What those are remains to be seen. I think the fact that it's family weekend and a beautiful day game in Boulder uh, gives them a chance to have the best energy, the best juice inside Folsom Field they've had all year. And I don't know if there's any correlation here, but as we know, Cal's struggled, especially offensively away from home. Small sample size in South Bend, in Pullman, two very capable defenses, uh, but they're undefeated at home and, and winless away. And I know that's the streak they're trying to break this week in Boulder. Yeah, no question about it. And I think the philosophy is you want to jump on a team like Colorado early if you can and just put those those bad doubts back in their minds. Todd, I think I'll, I'll have to check my notes. Don't quote me on this, but uh, if my memory serves from their most recent game at Arizona, the Buffs have not held a lead since 3-0 in the opener against TCU. So that's how much of an uphill climb it's been for them, to your point. Yeah, no question about it. So we're entering the halfway point of the conference play. We've got you know, three teams. I, I, ten, in my mind, it's a four-team race because even though Utah has a conference loss, they can make that up this week with a big game at the Salt Lake City against USC, which is one of the you know better teams in the country, ranked sixth or seventh in the country, depending on the poll. UCLA, obviously, I guess has surprised some people in some regards with the fact that they're undefeated, although I'm not sure, um, you know, away from – the friendly confines of the Rose Bowl, or at least what should be the friendly confines of what has been a mostly empty Rose Bowl this season, how they're going to fare. They got to buy this week. Then they have the game at Oregon that could decide a berth in the conference championship. How do you see the race for the championship? Uh, can I can I punt and tell you at about uh, no. 10 p.m. on Saturday <laughs> night or maybe even a week from Saturday night? Because I, I do feel like the picture uh, is muddy right now. It's about to get a lot clearer. Uh, yeah. because of some of these head-to-head -head matchups. And that one in Salt Lake City in particular 
it's now or never for Utah, right? Yep. They kind of get the mulligan for the opener, the near miss in the swamp. Uh, but now they have to have this. They have to be the first to hand USC a loss, it feels like. And UCLA, to me, is a fascinating case study in so many different dimensions, whether it's the fifth year of the partnership between Chip Kelly and Dorian Thompson-Robinson and just how many reps and years and even losses it's taken to get to full fruition. Um, but yes, they're undefeated. Uh, we could also easily say that South Alabama might be the only team in the country to have beaten them, if not for a ill-advised uh, fake field goal attempt back in the non-conference. Uh, but in the same breath, I'll say this is why preseason polls and I think an early pecking order, even in September, are so nonsensical. Because who would debate the fact that right now UCLA is much improved and is clearly a top 25 team? And may even be playoff worthy, and those are not those are things we would not have even dared to say after a three and zero or a four and zero start. And I think DTR is is right to put that chip on his shoulder and to be totally cliche and saying, "Hey, we read what you said about us at four and zero, and look what we've done since." Yeah, he's been absolutely terrific, and you'd have to say right now he's the the player of the year in the conference. He's just and, and then a second choice might be Bo Nix at Oregon if you throw out the first game. I mean, he's been sensational since then. And right now they might be the most complete team in the league. I'm not sure because their defense has played decent enough. Special teams have been solid. So, yeah, I'm like you. Each week after the next two weeks, okay, after Utah and USC and after Oregon, UCLA, I think we'll have a, a little clear picture of that race to the championship game. And we remind people there's no longer divisions uh, in the Pac-12 conference. So it's going to be right. the top two teams, which I think helps get a, a slot in the college football playoff. Todd, as you say this, I'm thinking about the fact that home field advantage has essentially been erased in the National Football League, right, where I spend a lot of Sundays. But I have to remind myself that it's very much a factor still on Saturdays. And I think Washington is a prime example of that. I mean, Michael Penix Jr. and Kalen DeBoer, they look like they were world beaters and then they go to the Rose Bowl on a Friday night and they go to Tempe and face the Sun Devils under interim leadership and back to back road trips. They have not looked like the complete team that they might have been through the first month. So USC went to Corvallis. They survived. They escaped uh, UCLA showing more each week. But uh, let's see them at the pinnacle of the Pac-12 in terms of road environments. Let's see them in Salt Lake City and Eugene before we draw any more conclusions, because uh, I agree with your shortlist. Who's at the top? but they've not all played parallel schedules yet. Yeah, I totally agree with them. It'll be decided at the end of the season when, of course, your fighting Irish of Notre Dame will face the USC Trojans and what could be a yeah. humongous game with that regard. All right, so we've covered the Pac-12. Now, we, and because you do the Rams, you're play-by-play guy for the Rams, um, you have watched your team go from Super Bowl champions. By the way, do you have a ring? Did you get a ring, JB? I did, yes. Okay. We we won't ask you where you're saving it, but do you ever wear it? Uh, only on days that end in Y. <laughs> okay, every day. <laughs> no, it's awesome. hidden in plain sight somewhere in this room. We'll, we'll spin the camera around, see if you can find it. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on that. That's uh, that's just, you know, it's the pinnacle. It well, is a, lot the of, pinnacle. a lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into it. And as you know, I had that big sack uh, in the Super Bowl, <laughs> the touchdown in the NFC Championship game. So it was the least they could do. Another Pitt guy, by the way. Uh, I'm from the Pittsburgh area, so I was kind of rooting for Aaron Donald. In that he's, he's something else. He is a pretty special guy. Um, tell me about the Rams. 
two and three, tough night against the Cowboys. They've got uh, Carolina this week, and they've got uh, probably a, a much needed buy before they then take on the 49ers who are maybe playing as well as anybody other than the Buffalo Bills in the National Football League right now. It's funny when the schedule comes out and week seven is pretty early for a buy. It's on the yeah. earlier end. I think it's one of the earlier buys that we've had during Sean McVay's tenure. Uh, and back in the spring, you're like, oh, my gosh, 17 game schedule. You got six on the front end, what, 11 on the back end. That's going to be really grueling. Wish that buy was more in the middle. Now it's like, can we, push Carolina, can we push Carolina back a week? Are they available next <laughs> Sunday instead of now? We could use it. Um, but really what I would love to propose to you is, uh, I know this is breaking all sorts of rules, but is there any way we could borrow Jaden Ott uh, for Sunday? Like, Could you hold him back, not play him in Boulder and let him dress for the Rams on Sunday against Christian McCaffrey and the Panthers, that would be really helpful. I'm sure Jaden would be all for it. Okay. <laughs> but I don't think coach Wilcox would, would like that. Either. But I know what you're getting at. The running attack has been re- it's tough sledding for you, isn't it? There's, there's no name image likeness loophole for just moonlighting. <laughs> there, I, I think there are a multitude of loopholes in NIL. Okay. okay. Just not and, the many NFL of which we, we probably can't even talk about, but uh, I'm sure the Rams would love him. And, and at some point in time in his career, I th- Maybe he'll have a chance to put on that Rams uniform because he he is a real talent. He is something else. And what I love about him is is he's making lemonade sometimes, right? Like we already addressed what Cal has done on its offensive line. It's not like he's running through highway corridors to the end zone. Like he is making people miss in the hole at the second level. He's a really special uh, talent in terms of his vision, uh, his foot speed, his, his lateral quickness. So – yeah, we could we could spend uh, the rest of this show, and I won't do that, uh, detailing the shortcomings of the Rams, especially on offense right now. But uh, I think what Cal has done to retool its offensive line uh, is familiar in that the Rams are on schedule to start their sixth different offensive line combination in as many games this Sunday against the Panthers. Yeah, that that's not a recipe for success, no, no. question about it. Well, JB, the last time we saw you, uh, Jaden had a huge game, third uh, best rushing performance in the history of Cal football. Hopefully, we'll see a similar performance uh, when we catch you on Saturday in Boulder, Colorado. JB, always uh, good to see you, talk to you, and look forward to the game on Saturday. Todd, I think we got uh, 72 and 73 yards. So if I pull out my bingo card, maybe 74 and 75 in the altitude at Boulder in terms of scrimmage runs for Jaden would complete it. Bingo. I love it. Let's do it. AJB, thanks again. Have a great call uh, on Saturday with Max Brown and great call against the Carolina Panthers on Sunday as well. Always love to see Cal on my schedule because I get to see you as well, Todd. Uh, thanks, JB. Always good to talk to you. JB Long, the play-by-play announcer for the Saturday telecast on the Pac-12 Network, will be on the air with the Bud Light Tailgate Show beginning at 10 o'clock Pacific time, kickoff shortly after 11 o'clock. Until then, I'm Todd McKim. Thanks for listening. And as always, Go Bears! This has been Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics, with your host, Todd McKim. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the California Golden Bears Sports Network. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.